Hello, everyone. Welcome to the message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. The message is for Sunday, November the 26th, 2023. We appreciate you being here today. We're going to go ahead and get started with today's message regarding baptism. And we appreciate it. Uh, you're sharing about our content as well, too, with others who are not churched or are looking for a church. We'd be happy to welcome you to Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. And we are at 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. And you can find us online on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, Akron Alliance Fellowship Instagram page, and our Akron Alliance Fellowship YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe to uh, be notified of any new content that posts. And we appreciate very much you giving that consideration and sharing the word. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Lord, we thank you again for the time that you have set aside for us now to hear you speak to us through the power of your word. Lord, your word is true. Your word, it comes directly from you. Your word is eternal. It has an eternal benefit for us to pay attention to what you have to say to us. Lord, you have showed us how much you love us by saying so in your word. And we thank you again for your presence today and every day. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Christian baptism. We're going to be looking at the reason and purpose for baptism and add clarity as to how baptisms were performed in the past and how they are to be done today with regard to our Christian faith. Christian baptism is an ordinance that Jesus instituted for the future church after his resurrection. He made the declaration to his disciples and anyone else listening just before his ascension. Let's take a look at a passage. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Matthew 28. And we're going to look at verses 19 and 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And this passage is a well-known passage. This passage happens to be uh, pretty much our church mission statement as well, too. But Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. <clears throat> Pardon me. And we're going to be looking at the NIV version. It says in verse 19, Matthew 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus instructs his church to teach God's word, make disciples or followers of Jesus, and baptize them. This is to be the practice throughout the church age. So we can see that baptism is something that Jesus commands for us. He commands it for us as a public statement that believers in Jesus are making the commitment to follow Jesus and live for him for the rest of their lives. Baptism was a regular practice long before the founding of the church. The Jews from the distant past would baptize when a person committed to God in order to show the converts cleansed nature. John the Baptist was baptizing people as a means of getting people ready for the coming Lord and Savior, and it was a symbol of one's repentance. But Christian baptism has a greater significance today. Christian baptism is performed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word baptism simply means to identify. 
And in this case, it is to identify with the life and actions of Jesus Christ. It is an outward symbol of the inward commitment that takes place in the heart of the believer at the time of salvation. Now, I am aware that there have been infant baptisms throughout the course of church history. Now, the Bible is silent on infant baptism, and there's nowhere in the New Testament where there is a baby baptized. But it was a practice that was taken up by Christian churches, and around the time of Augustine, it was a standard practice. Now, today, Roman Catholics, many Orthodox churches, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Methodists, and others, practice infant baptism. But all of this was challenged during the Protestant Reformation, in that baptism should have been reserved only for those persons who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, simply put, infants have no capacity to reason as to who Jesus Christ is. Now, our church practices baby dedications, which reflect a commitment for the family to bring up a child before the Lord and to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's from Proverbs 22.6. Now, I've also heard of people who have gotten baptized more than once. I don't know the circumstances surrounding the reason to do it more than once, but it may have had to do with the battle that everyone has once there is a declaration to live for Jesus Christ. When you commit to Christ, you've just chosen a side. And the enemy is on the other side. Baptism is a public way of telling everyone, your family, your friends, and even the enemy, that you are committed to being a servant for Jesus. Now, at the end of the day, you don't need to do it more than once to get baptized. But I, don't, I no longer tell people that baptism is unnecessary. It is not a requirement for salvation under Jesus Christ, but it is a command of Jesus to go and baptize. Therefore, if you're commanding others to go and, and, and baptize, you should do it and get it, get it done yourself. A believer in Jesus needs to get baptized in order to be obedient to Jesus and his commands. Your life needs to be a reflection of the light of Jesus in today's world, and baptism is a way to do that. It's fitting to take the time to look at the importance of baptism and for us to see that it is indeed a public testimony of one's faith and belief in Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. I'm deliberately using all these words because it needs to be made clear that baptism is not a substitute for the salvation that only Jesus can provide for us. Baptism affirms the testimony of the believer before others. Let's take a look at the moment when Jesus was making his own public testimony of the official beginning of his ministry. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Matthew chapter 3, and let's look at verses 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And this again will be the NIV version. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Verse 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well, well pleased. After doing a little research on this event, I learned why Jesus went through being baptized. He didn't need to be baptized because he was sinless. He was and is holy. He also didn't need to get baptized as a matter of demonstrating what it is to go through a baptism. He also didn't do it as if it was some sort of ritual. The first reason that Jesus was baptized in remaining obedient to the will of his Father was to identify with all of humanity. Identify with all of humanity. Jesus noted in verse 15 that he took part for the purpose of fulfilling all righteousness. What Jesus did with his baptism was to identify himself completely with a sinful mankind. Identity. Identification. Take a look at Isaiah 53:12. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 verse 12. Isaiah 53 verse 12. As you know, Isaiah is jam-packed with prophecy about Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of writings in Isaiah, but here's one here I want you to pay attention to. Verse 12, Isaiah 53, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He identified with a sinful mankind. And even Isaiah writes of this. Secondly, another reason why Jesus was baptized was because he was a symbol. He was representing a symbol of death. He was baptized as a symbol of death. Now, I want you to look at a passage in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 20 to 23. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 23. Jesus said all along when he was with his disciples that, that he would eventually uh, die. He would be killed. He would die and eventually rise again. And, of course, the disciples really weren't clear on what that meant. We, of course, have complete understanding of what it means now. But I want you to see this interchange between uh, this exchange, pardon me, between Jesus and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Let's start with verse 20, Matthew chapter 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant these two sons of mine may sit on one on your right hand and the other on, and the, other on the left in your kingdom. Verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. 
Verse 23, so he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. Jesus's baptism that he's referring to here was an identification as to the type of death that he would experience. And he did indeed inform his disciples they would suffer in the same manner. But we also need to consider that the lesson he was trying to teach the sons of Zebedee was that they needed to back away from the aspect of how great they were in the kingdom. Instead, Jesus was teaching them that he needed to serve God with humble hearts. Jesus said that he came to serve. It wasn't about how great he was. It's about him coming to serve. So drop down to verse 26 in Matthew chapter 20. Verse 26 in Matthew 20. I'm going to read through to verse 28. Pardon me. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. When you're serving, you're willingly giving something up. You're giving up the things that you hold value to. And now you're looking to do and serve for someone else. When we commit to living for Jesus, we are indeed changed for the better. He wants us to live as a servant of Jesus, obedient to the Father and sensitive to his will. Baptism identifies the believer with the death burial and resurrection of Jesus in the same manner we are called to die to self our fleshly nature and live for Jesus Christ go back to Matthew 16 Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to take a look at verses 24 and 25 Matthew chapter 16 verses 24 and 25 Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. We die to self in the moment we declare Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we also continually do so as we live under the power of of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We at our church perform baptism by immersion, which means completely dropping you into an ice-cold pool of water. Well, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm there to assist you as I will lean you backwards into the warm, comfortable water while you are seated on a step inside the baptismal pool and then lift you up out of the water after a few milliseconds. I do suggest that you hold your nose closed during the process. This immersion represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's why we do baptism by immersion. Thirdly, Jesus' baptism in kicking off his ministry became our high priest. The voice of God the Father from heaven and the alighting of the Holy Spirit was visual and audible confirmation that Jesus was to be identified as the one who cleanses us from our sin and reconciles us to himself. We are made clean 
by the unselfish acts of Jesus when he went to the cross for us. Baptism means that we are telling the world we have a new outlook, a changed way of how we see life. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5. Let's demonstrate this change that we see. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read through from verses 16 to 21. And I'll be reading from the NIV version. But I want you to see how important it is for us to live this changed life. Once we make this public declaration, a change has to be evident. It has to be something that people can see in how we live. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting the people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. As you can see here, baptism represents living a lifestyle as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And that makes perfect sense as you live missionally for him. No matter where you are or where you are going, you are living missionally as you proclaim the gospel. Before we as a church perform a baptism, we spend time with the person to clarify understanding as to what it is to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. We go over a list of verses that talk about salvation, including the crystal clear passage in Romans chapter 10. Turn to Romans 10. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. This will be in the New Living Translation, but there is really, I don't think there's a more clear passage in Scripture about what it is to be saved. That's a debatable argument, I suppose, but this one pretty much spells it out for anybody who is curious as to what to do. Verse 9, Romans chapter 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's it. Now, I do want to show you something that I recently discovered in Scripture about how it is not a slam dunk that everyone who gets baptized is already saved. And it can be found in Acts chapter 8. And understand something, this is... Something that is an unusual situation, but it it, is notable because Scripture is referencing it. In Acts chapter 8, Philip was ministering to the people in Samaria. But Simon the sorcerer was a big attention getter who loved flattery and human praise. So we're going to read through from verse 9 of Acts chapter 8 
Acts chapter 8, verse 9 to verse 17. And on your own, read the entire passage. I just want to cover the part that's most relevant here for this because we need to see that Simon the sorcerer was had evil in his heart and really did not uh, care about anybody but himself. But let's look at verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that might they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see and understand from looking at this passage that the act of baptism is to be taken very seriously and that people who are baptized, number one, have declared that they have a saving relationship with Jesus and number two, that any acts outside of Christian baptism by immersion, what we do here, does not assure a person has complete understanding about what it is to be saved by Jesus. That's why we go through looking at the passages even before this takes place. In this passage in Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer was all about getting attention. And mostly for money and adulation. Philip, while he was proclaiming truth, may not have provided enough information for the people to be clear about the role of Christ and what it meant to be saved. Even when the truth is proclaimed, not everyone's going to readily accept it. Peter and John went to Samaria to effectively be the closers that brought a number of them to receive the Holy Spirit even after baptism. Baptism isn't a substitute for salvation. Every believer must acknowledge the heartfelt need for the Holy Spirit in order to live for Jesus. The Spirit is the seal that covers every true believer in Jesus Christ. Turn to John 10, verses 27 through 30. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. And we want to make a distinction about who Jesus recognizes when it comes to people who are paying attention to him and listening to him. Verse 27, John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. I trust that the words here 
affirm the believer in Christ who understands the sacrifice that Jesus has made for him or her and that there is no hesitation in making a public declaration of faith in Jesus. Baptism by immersion is how it is to be done. Baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to verses 40 and 42 in John chapter 10. Just turn ahead to John chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Also the NIV version. Verse 40, John chapter 10. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Believers, let's continue to live missionally for Jesus in obedience to his word. The indwelling Holy Spirit is our advocate. John chapter 14, verse 16. And provides godly wisdom as we go forth. Let's tell the world about the goodness of Jesus. Our new life in him. And his love for us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the teaching that you've given to us. We thank you for teaching us about baptism. And we thank you for teaching us about the proper order that it needs to follow. Lord, those who are saved can be baptized. Those who don't understand the relationship with Jesus are not to count on baptism as a way to get access into your kingdom. Salvation is the access to your kingdom. Baptism is affirming to everyone that we know around us that we do believe in you. And may we live in that manner every day going forward. Thank you for this teaching and thank you for the principles surrounding baptism. Thank you for showing us, even through Jesus' baptism, of why he did what he did and showed us that he indeed did it for us. He was going to be the sacrifice for us. He was the one that was going to move in the spirit and live and breathe and perform miracle and after miracle for us to show us who he was. And we recognize now who he is because we serve a risen Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching us all these things. For those being baptized, bless them, Lord. Protect them from the wiles of Satan. They've made a declaration. They've chosen the side. And Lord, we thank you that they've chosen you rather than to live for the enemy. That they've chosen you and want to make a testimony for you in the world. That they've chosen you and you're sending them out into the world to go and make disciples of others and preach the gospel. Thank you, Lord. Bless us and keep us with this knowledge. Help us to share it with others. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate you being here for today's message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
God bless you and take care of yourselves. We hope to see you again soon. Take care. See you next time.